0: To receive any of the bible resources mentioned in this broadcast call 800-835-6747 once again that's 800-835-6747 now here's your host from amazing facts international pastor doug bachelor
1: hello listening friends would you like to hear an amazing fact joshua slocum lived an astounding life born in nova scotia in 1844 He ran away to sea when he was only 16. Bright and energetic, Slocum gradually worked his way from cabin boy and cook to a respected New England sea captain. During his illustrious career, he commanded some of the finest tall ships, sailing them to exotic ports around the globe. Then later in life, Slocum experienced a series of ill-fated trips, including mutiny, pirates, and shipwreck. By 51 years of age, Slocum found himself back in New England a penniless, unemployed sea captain. That's when Joshua Slocum came up with a unique idea to make use of his extensive sailing experience. No one had ever sailed around the world alone, so he determined to become the first one. A sympathetic friend gave him a derelict 37-foot crab boat that he completely rebuilt, naming it The Spray after storing the boat with provisions and books on april 24 1895 he sailed out of boston in his tiny sloop his route took him to nova scotia to the azores gibraltar back across the atlantic to south america through the treacherous straits of magellan then thousands of miles across the pacific to samoa australia south africa the west indies and finally in june 1898 he sailed into newport rhode island complete his circumnavigation of the globe. In three years, two months, and two days, he had sailed 46,000 miles around the world alone with no GPS, no radio, and only the heavenly lights and a compass to guide him. Slocum wrote a best-selling book to recount his many close calls and adventures. Then mysteriously, in 1909, Planning an exploratory voyage up the Amazon, Slocum set sail from Vineyard Haven, Massachusetts on November 14, and was never seen again. Incredibly, one of the greatest sailors of the 19th century, who sailed a small boat around the world alone, had never learned to swim. Did you know the Bible talks about an army that tried to cross an ocean without a boat? Stay with us friends, we're going to learn more on this edition of Bible Answers Live. You're
0: listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions.
1: Welcome listening friends to Bible Answers Live. We're so glad that you've tuned in. And if you have a Bible question, we'd like to encourage you to give us a call. This is International Interactive Bible Study. And here is a phone number to call in with your questions. 800-463-7297. 800-463-7297. 800-463-7297. My name is Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross.
2: Good evening, friends, and we'd like to also pass it Doug, welcome those who are joining us on Facebook and Uh, If you haven't heard, we are live streaming Bible Answers Live on Pastor Doug's Mm -hmm. Facebook page, also on the Amazing Facts Facebook page. Well, before we get to our Bible questions, let's start with prayer. Dear Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity once again to open up your word and study the most important book, which reveals truths that affect not only this life, but really give us a a focus on eternity. So we want to ask your blessing upon Uh, The program, be with those who are listening, wherever they might be, lead us, Lord, into a clearer understanding of the Bible. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Doug, that was a a fascinating fact that you opened the program with. Somebody, you can just imagine, there have been quite a few individuals since then that have um, sailed around the world by themselves. But this is back in uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s. No GPS. It's amazing. No radio. No way to call for help. Uh, in a
1: in a sailboat and he sailed all around the world it's an incredible feat yeah he didn't even have a sophisticated chronometer which they had back then he had a, a $1.50 tin clock with a broken minute end. <laughs> and he was able, he was really a very good navigator. But, you know, a person can read the book. It's it's actually been in print for 100 years now. It's been such a standard for sailors around the world to read about Slocum's adventure. I'd never read it until about a week ago. And I thought, well, there is an amazing fact. How did I miss that one? But what really struck me was at the end hearing that, you know, he mysteriously disappeared. And they said, it's a good chance that he fell overboard and he had never learned to swim. And you think all those adventures around the world, he should have fallen over at least once or twice in all the storms and uh, somehow he survived all that. And then, you know, it made me think about in the Bible, you have uh, a whole army that tried to go across an ocean without a boat. And now that kind of, most people are thinking, "What, what does that mean? Well, friends, you remember when the Lord parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel and they crossed over and that stubborn pharaoh and his army they said we can go down into the sea and try and catch them if they can do it we can do it but they couldn't do it (laughs) god worked a miracle for the israelites but the sea came crashing back in on the uh, egyptians and god delivered his people you know it tells us that when they when the uh, israelites got to the other side of the red sea they rejoiced for this great deliverance And that deliverance is a story of how God wants to deliver each one of us first and foremost from sin in this world and the devil and ultimately deliver us when Jesus comes. If you'd like to know more about that, we have a free offer we'd be delighted to share with you.
2: This uh, study guide that we have talks about an ultimate deliverance. It's actually what it's called, ultimate deliverance. And it's God's great deliverance for those who put their faith in him. It's all about the second coming, when Jesus Mm -hmm. comes the second time. So we want to encourage you to get that study guide. It's free. If you'd like to receive it, the number to call is 800-835-6747. That is our resource phone line. If you have a Bible question, that number is 800-463-7297. That'll bring you right here into the studio. Well, Pastor Doug, I think we're ready to open up the phone lines. We've got our first caller here. Paul is listening from Arkansas. Paul, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, pastors. How are you guys doing?
2: Doing well.
3: Awesome. My question is Daniel 3. When King Nebuchadnezzar was looking in the furnace and uh, saw four people, he asked the guards, didn't we put three in because I see four? Mm -hmm. And they're unbound, they're walking around, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. And from my understanding, uh, he was looking at Jesus. Now, was Jesus in the flesh? Because... Spirit incarnated uh, into flesh was through the womb of the Virgin Mary. However, Abraham recognized uh, the Lord through an angel. So what was King Kevin, King Kevin, uh, Anyway.
1: Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, it's a tough one to say.
3: Yeah, what, uh, what identified the king to see actually Jesus?
1: Yeah, good question. He doesn't use the name Jesus, but he says, you know, one like the Son of God. Uh, he, first of all, keep in mind that... Uh, Daniel had spent some time with Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is chapter two. I'm sorry, this is chapter three. If you go back to chapter two, Daniel interprets a prophecy for Nebuchadnezzar and probably, you know, tells him something about Jehovah because Nebuchadnezzar was ready to worship Daniel at the end of Daniel's telling him what his dream was. So I think Nebuchadnezzar knew something about the God of the Israelites and maybe Daniel said something about that someday God would send the Messiah, his son into the world. Um, And when Nebuchadnezzar looked, it was not Jesus incarnate. It was probably one of the many times that Christ has appeared in uh, prior to his incarnation, like when the Lord appeared to Abraham or he appeared to the parents of Samson. And um, he, he basically and when he appears to Joshua, Joshua falls down to worship him. Sometimes he's referred to as the angel of the Lord and meaning the messenger from God and Jesus who brought the great message. And so this is one of the, it's called a Christophany, one of the pre-incarnation um, visits of Jesus. He Before, incarnate means in flesh. This is prior to his taking on human flesh. It was when he appeared in his divinity. And um, I think that when Nebuchadnezzar looked in there, he saw the glory of this fourth individual surpassed that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So does that make sense?
3: Yes, it does, and you know, uh, I I recall maybe not hearing that uh, he saw Jesus, that uh, uh, he recognized him as the Son of God, uh, you know, which most likely, of course, was you know is Jesus. So yeah, and I thought he uh, he was an angel because uh, in you know uh, many times in the Old Testament uh, the Lord will appear himself uh, as an angel.
1: Yeah, it's in, it's sort of interchangeable sometimes when when Christ appeared to some of these uh, individuals before. His incarnation, and he's referred to as the Angel of the Lord. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for your question, and um, we we appreciate that.
2: We'll go to our next caller. We got Noah listening in Illinois. Noah, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you for having me, Doug and Jean. Yeah. My question is: Is there any significance in having worship like with your pet, like if you live alone with pet?
1: So you mean like if you're if you're praying to God, is there anything wrong with your dog or your cat being there beside you, you mean?
3: Like like I like telling like your dog or cat like Bible stories. They're telling them about Jesus' and love.
1: Well, you know, if it's gonna help you I I'm pretty sure they're probably not comprehended at all, but if it's gonna help you to uh memorize that, I know some preachers that go to their church the day before they do a sermon and they preach to an empty hall to practice and they say it helps them remember. So, uh, you know, if but I want to expect to get a conversion out of your cat, especially cats,
4: <laughs> maybe more dogs, hope huh? for
1: dogs, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I it doesn't really say anything in the Bible that, you know, we're to try to be redemptive of our animals. Uh, you know, God, God spoke through a donkey and the devil spoke through a snake, but uh, God's going to have creatures in heaven. But uh, I I don't know that, um, you know, I'd be engaging your pets in worship. There's nothing wrong with them being in the room with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, thanks for your call, Noah.
2: We've got Becky listening in Michigan. Becky, welcome to the program.
5: It's nice to hear from you guys.
1: Yeah. Thank you for calling.
3: It's my own time. Um, I got a question, Joshua 24, verses 14 to 15. Chapter 24, verses 15. Excuse me, I'm a little tongue-tied. That's all right. Joshua
5: 24, verses 14 to 15.
1: All right, should I go ahead and read that then? Sure. Let me read it just because a lot of our friends are driving down the road and they're listening and give them context. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put always the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Uh, serve the Lord. Uh, he, yeah, he says, put away the gods. I'm sorry that your father served on the other side of the river, meaning in Euphrates, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So your question on that?
3: The question is, um, we know that we have to serve the Holy Father. But the question is, God gives us the responsibilities to witness to others, to do what he, to do what He would want us to do. Either we are against our heavenly Father, or we're for Him. Either we put aside the evil gods, or we learn,
1: or we serve God
3: to, to worship our true heavenly Father.
1: Mm-hmm. So, are you wondering why Joshua asked that question? Yeah. Yeah. Some people think that it was Joshua inviting the Israelites, saying, "Well, which do you want to do?" I think he's really challenging them to renew their commitment, reminding them, do not serve the gods that the relatives of Abraham served, do not serve the gods of the Egyptians or the Canaanites and Amorites in the land that you dwell. We're going to continue to serve the Lord. Joshua said, don't forget the God that, you know, brought you out of Egypt. So it's really an invitation and a challenge that he's giving the Israelites there. I don't think he wanted anyone to say, well, let me think, who shall I serve? He was just really reminding them to have resolve about serving God. What do you think, Pastor Ross?
2: Yeah. You know, sometimes in the Bible a question is asked, uh, even though you might know the answer, but the question is asked to reinforce the decision. And I think Joshua is wanting the children of Israel here to reinforce the decision that they're going to serve the Lord. Exactly. It's also kind of neat how that he sets the example for them and says, as for me and my house, we've already made up our mind. We're going to serve the Lord. So that's leadership, especially in the home, uh, parents. They need to make a decision, make a decision to serve the Lord and encourage their children to make that same decision.
1: Yep. Good point. Thank you very much. appreciate your question tonight.
2: You're listening to Bible
0: Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at one 800 God Says.
4: If you enjoy hearing solid biblical answers on Bible Answers Live, you can have those same insights at your fingertips through the Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible. The updated hardcover version is available at its lowest price ever and includes the complete set of Amazing Facts 27 study guides, plus a Bible numbers and symbols chart and eight pages of colorful maps. This best ever Bible gives you a biblical cyclopedic index, words of Christ in red, chronology of the Old Testament, along with Doug Batchelor's How to Study the Bible feature and much more. Call us at AF Bookstore to learn more about it at 1-800-538-7275. The Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible stands apart from other Bibles, giving you the same solid answers you hear each week on Bible Answers Live. Order your copy today at afbookstore.com or by calling 1-800-538-7275. All right, we got
2: Samuel listening in Wisconsin. Samuel, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you, brothers, uh for taking my call and I want to compliment you gentlemen on your fervor and clarity in declaring the Bible. Well, oh, thank you. And look, and I'm and you guys got me prepared. I'm look preparing for eternity in kindergarten to learn the ways of the master. Amen. Uh, I got a question on Habakkuk chapter one verse three and four, pastors. Could you explain that to me?
1: All right, let, uh, let's read it here. And this is Habakkuk chapter one verse three and four. Why, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. You're wondering what, uh, what is meant by that? Yes, sir. Well, Habakkuk is living during a time where there was a great apostasy in Israel and they were being, um, they were being influenced by their pagan neighbors. And uh, so he's saying, you know, Lord, I'm beholding the the evil uh, around us and even among your people. And it seems like, you know, the law is powerless, that uh, people aren't, and the word law there doesn't just mean 10 commandments. It meant the word of God seems like they're ignoring the word of God. There's, they're not listening. There's no justice that's going forth. The wicked surround the righteous. It's kind of like Job sometimes said, "It looks like the wicked are winning." And uh, Habakkuk is sort of articulating the same kind of uh, concern, but you keep reading through the book and you'll see that he finally exults in God's righteousness, but he's, you know kind of bemoaning what, what he's seeing around him.
2: It reminds me of the other verse that we read in the Bible that God is not willing that any should um, be lost or perish, but He's long suffering. And that was the case even with Israel. There was a lot of corruption, and um, God was dealing with them, trying to reach them. They'd, there was a judgment that eventually came. Under the 10 tribes, it was the Assyrians that conquered them. The Babylonians came and conquered Jerusalem, and the Jews were taken captive for 70 years. And yet God was was long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And I think, Pastor Doug, we see the same thing even in our world today where God is long-suffering. We see a lot of evil in our world and yet God is wanting to save as many as possible.
1: Yep. And you read later in the book, y- you can see that he's promising that, uh, you know, even though it looks like evil is triumphing, that God will win in the end. And that great statement that's quoted so often in the New Testament, is in Habakkuk where he says in uh, chapter two, verse four, the just shall live by his faith. And so he's saying that the just will survive and they will succeed. And that the vision of God's deliverance will come though it looks like it tarries, don't be discouraged. It will come. So thank you, Samuel. I hope that helps a little bit.
2: All right, we've got another caller. We've got Amy listening from Northern California. Amy, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi.
5: I'm calling tonight. I I had a discussion with my friend and we were talking about Revelation 20, where it says the books will be opened. I know certain people's writing that I'm not supposed to mention support this and say, go into great detail that we will have access to the records. But just wondering if there's anything in the Bible that, that supports that more, that says the records will be open to us to look at, for us to look at.
1: Our Pastor Ross, what's the verse where it says that don't you know that we will judge angels?
2: Yeah, that's first Corinthians chapter six, verse three, and that's the Apostle Paul that talks about the redeemed. It says mm-hmm. the time will come. Matter of fact, I can just read it here. It says, Do you not know that you shall judge the angels? How much more things pertaining to this life? So he's talking to the church, he's talking to believers, and he says the time's gonna come when here yeah, the redeemed will have an opportunity to review the records. And of course that ties in with Revelation chapter twenty, where it says the books were opened judgment took place. Now the type of judgment that the redeemed are involved in is not choosing who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. That decision has already been made. The fact that the redeemed are in heaven, it means they are saved. But we will be, the redeemed will be reviewing uh, the lives and maybe they'll have questions as to why certain people are there and why other people are not there in the kingdom. All of those questions will be answered during this time of review when the books are made available and open, just like Jesus said, nothing will be hidden, nothing that is hidden that will not be revealed, nothing spoken in secret that will not be made known. So uh, that will be that time during the thousand years.
1: And, uh, and then it says, I think, in Revelation 19 that they'll declare true and righteous are his judgments. And so we're basically uh, e- exploring the judgments of God so everyone will trust you know, his determinations and they'll declare that. Thank you. Appreciate that, Amy. Thank you. Hope that helps a little. We got Gail in Canada. Gail, welcome to the program.
2: Gail in Canada, you on the air.
5: Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> Good to be talking to you. And um, before I give my question, just want to thank you firsthand for all the things that you have um, uh, put into the ministry. And this had helped me and my husband a lot. So I've been struggling with my spiritual life. And after um, watching the revelation, now last October, then we were revived. Me and my husband, and my husband is a Catholic, and I am a born Adventist. But when he watched it, we were both um, convicted, and he was baptized uh, early, uh, late in December. So I just want, yeah, I just want to thank that for you.
1: Wonderful, Amen. praise thank the Lord. You. So your question tonight.
5: My question is um I just um, don't understand this part in Matthew 16 verse 14 so if the Pharisees and Sadducees are asking Jesus what will be the sign and he said um he will uh he said that um, except for the sign of the prophet Jonah I just don't understand that relationship of uh Jonah so I wanted to know more about this
1: all right, now first let me tell you that uh, following my answer tonight, if you call the resource line, there's a book I've written that we can send you for free, and it's called The Sign of Jonah. But if you look in Matthew, uh, look in Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 39. Wow, 39. And, and it says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given but the prophet Jonah. And it also says in uh, Luke 11, something similar. And he talks about the, uh, the prophet, the sign of Jonah in, in Luke eleven twenty nine. 29. So um, here's the here's few things to think about in that regard is you have uh, Jesus sleeping in a boat during a storm. Well, you have Jonah sleeping in a boat during a storm. They wake up Jesus and they say, Master, we're perishing. Well, they wake up Jonah and they say, do you not care that we're perishing? Uh, It tells us that they cast lots at the cross of Jesus. Well, they cast lots for Jonah. Uh, Jesus is sacrificed that we might have peace. Jonah is thrown overboard that the people might have peace. Uh, Jesus experiences this terrible suffering for three days and three nights from Thursday night when he's betrayed. He is beaten, he's tried, he's whipped, he's crucified, and he suffers the penalty of suffering and death for sin. Jonah, for three days and three nights, he suffers in the belly of the great fish. Jesus is resurrected. Jonah comes out of the fish. Jesus teaches for three and a half years that if the Jews do not repent, that in a generation, which is 40 years, the temple would be destroyed. Jonah goes three and a half days into Nineveh, and he preaches that in 40 days they would be destroyed if they did not repent. So Jesus said, as Jonah was assigned to his generation, the Son of Man is to this generation. So there's so many similarities between the story of Jonah and Jesus that he was hoping they would recognize that he was the Messiah. Does that make sense?
5: Oh, yeah, perfect. Oh, so now I understand that uh, Jesus
1: is like a... Uh, a, a... Jonah is like a type of Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. So make sure and send for that book, Gail. It's it's free. We'll send it to you or anyone that wants it. Called the Sign of Jonah. The number to call if you'd like to receive that is eight
2: hundred eight three five six seven four seven. That is our resource phone line. And again, you want to ask for the book. It's called the Sign of Jonah, and we'll be happy to get that out to whoever calls and asks. Uh, let's see. We've got. Uh, let's go back to David in Folsom, uh, California. David, uh, welcome to the program. Are you
3: t- talking to me, Doug? Yeah, yeah, you're on the air. Okay, I'm in Tennessee. That's why you got
2: confused. I'm sorry,
3: brother. Oh, okay. My, uh, I've been doing a study on the Holy Spirit. I have so many different answers on what the Holy Spirit is. Some says the birth of life is the Holy Spirit. Others say the Spirit was, we were a Spirit before we became a newborn baby. I would say it's separate, and you ask for it, and it comes as your guide and protector. Where is the Holy Spirit? How do we get it? And secondly, what is it?
1: All right, great question. Um, First of all, it's crucial that we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, unless you are born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We must be born again. It's not the physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. And Jesus made it possible for all of us through his sacrifice to have God the Spirit infill us. I mean, it's not like you're being possessed by a separate person. It's the Person of God actually comes into us, God the the Spirit, and He then speaks to your heart. You invite Him to lead and to guide you. He will bring the Holy Word to your remembrance, and um, he, he He speaks to you now. Um, we have, and he helps witness through you. Jesus said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit that you might be my witnesses. Helps us to live the Christian life. And we have a free offer that talks about how to live a life in the Spirit. We'll be happy to send you a copy of that. I don't know if you want to add something, Pastor Ross.
2: Yeah, you know, just maybe a verse, Pastor Doug. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, the Bible tells us we can ask for the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says, uh, if you've been evil, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? So the first step is ask for the Holy Spirit and recognize the Holy Spirit is leading us to, to God. Uh, the Holy Spirit is God, is one of the members of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit works within us to lead to conviction and righteousness and obedience. So we need to ask for the Holy Spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so if you, you pray, David, you ask, God says he'll send his Spirit into your life. And we do have a book talking about the Holy Spirit, the need. The need for the Holy Spirit. We'll send you a free copy.
2: The number to call if you'd like to receive that uh, free resource is 800-835-6747. Just ask for the book all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the need. We'll get it to the mail and and send it right to you.
1: All right, friends, don't go anywhere. You can hear the music uh, coming up behind us. We're just taking a brief break. You can text your friends, tell them, tune in to Bible Answers Live. Something new happening in the studio.
0: Stay tuned. Bible Answers
1: Live will return shortly. The Bible tells us that salvation, of course, emanates from God. So we need to know something about God to rightly understand and embrace salvation. Yet in the church today, there's a great deal of confusion about the nature of God. The Bible says God is one God, but is he three persons? Is Jesus also eternal God? Because Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean there was a time when He did not exist or He was brought into existence? Is the Holy Spirit a person? Or is He just the force and the energy that God uses to communicate? You know, I thought this was so important, I really felt led of the Lord to write a book on the subject called Exploring the Trinity, One God or Three. In this book, we answer those very important questions. We talk about the history of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as well as the history of the Holy Spirit in the church and how it has been much debated. This is something we really need to understand because Jesus said eternal life comes from knowing God. Amazing facts through your faithful support
0: has had a major impact on some of the largest non-Christian locations in the world. AFCO Global opened up Center of Evangelism schools in India, the Ukraine,
4: the United Kingdom, and even in the Philippines. It's people on the ground, in the church, on the door, in the home, doing Bible studies, witnessing to people, winning them to Jesus, leading them to baptism in England, in India, in Africa, or anywhere around the world, but you're, you're seeing change on a personal level take place.
1: You know, every week we hear the most incredible stories from all over the globe of lives that are being changed and hearts that are being transformed by the power of the word. And none of it could happen without the blessing of God and our partnership, your teamwork with this ministry. God bless you.
0: You're listening to Bible Answers Live to receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program call 800-835-6747 once again that's 800-835-6747 now let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live
1: welcome back listening friends The Bible Answers Live you heard the number if you have a Bible question give us a call 800-835-6747 brings you into the studio and uh, you know You may want to also go look at the Facebook page because you'll see that uh, if you've ever tuned in and watched the video of Bible Answers Live, things are radically different right now. We finally got moved into the new Amazing Facts Studios and we're still adjusting the furniture a little bit. This is your second week here, my first week here. And uh, so it's really nice to see a a nice, clear, crisp picture. And the plan is that uh, in a few weeks, we're actually gonna take Bible Answers Live on to television to start with it'll be on AFTV live we'll probably do reruns during the week and there's some other networks that have showed some interest so you'll not only be able to hear it you'll be able to see it and we hope that uh you if you want to take a peek just go to the amazing facts facebook page or the doug bachelor facebook page and we're streaming a sample of that right now i am doug bachelor my name is john ross
2: and we're going to go to the phone lines our next caller is rob and he's listening in england rob welcome to the program
6: Oh, yeah. Hi there. Um, well, greetings from the UK. It's uh, quite late here, to be honest, but um, I'm glad I've got through. Um, I didn't think I was going to get through, but I'm, I'm very happy I have. So, <laughs> hello. <laughs> well,
2: thanks for waiting up. Yeah, I appreciate that. And your question tonight?
6: Yeah, so my question is regarding a divorce, basically. So, I've been with someone for three and a half years, and I've only, you know, been 18 months into the faith, so I'm I'm not saying I know everything, but about 11 months ago, I discovered um, about, you know, remarrying someone who's been divorced. So I just kind of wanted some clarification on that, because when my uh, partner, who I'm not married to her, by the way, yet, got divorced, she wasn't born again, you know, she wasn't aware of that scripture. When she divorced her, her ex husband, um, and we're looking at getting married now, but unfortunately, also like I said, I found the scripture that says you can only marry, uh, you know, remarry someone if, if she divorced her husband for biblical reasons. So yeah, I just wanted to get some clarification around that.
1: All right, great question. Now the the verse where Jesus talks about uh, divorce and remarriage, um, he doesn't apply that to a person who is like grown up a pagan, because uh, the reason we know that is you look at the story in John chapter four where jesus has this encounter with a woman at the well who has been married five times and she's living with someone she's not married to and yet jesus reveals to her that he's the messiah which means he certainly accepted her and she would be saved i don't know if she went home and married that guy or kicked him out or what happened there Um, but you know i think when you come to the lord the lord kind of gives you uh, a new beginning you cannot unscramble scrambled eggs and so You know, if you're out in the world and you're, you're pagan and there's people that may get divorced and remarried and, and then finally they have a conversion and they want to live a Christian life. Well, does that mean they've got to go hunt down their former spouse and uh, remarry them? Of course, they could be married to someone else at that point. I think the Lord gives us a fresh start. You're born again. And uh, now once you're a Christian and you know better, that's a little different. Uh, It's it's not a little different. It's a lot different because sin is knowing to do good and not doing it. So, I don't know, Pastor Ross, you have anything yeah, to Yeah, no,
2: absolutely. God is a God of new beginnings. And I think if somebody comes to an understanding of the truth and you commit your life to Christ, you know, it is important and we would encourage you. We know you've showed an interest in spiritual things, you've gotten converted, but it would be good that before you get married, that um, your fiance also take time to read and study and see what the Bible says. Uh, The Bible does give a lot of counsel that when one gets married, you want to make sure that you share the same faith, that you're united in your belief. Mm. Otherwise, that can cause all kinds of other problems in the marriage. So uh, hopefully she's willing to to consider that as well. And then I think, you know, you ask God's blessing, you get married, ask God's blessing upon your relationship and, and move forward in faith.
6: Yeah, that's what I do. I do. We do both pray every day to, um, you know, ask God to, to, for for directions. I just have one more quick question. I hope that's okay because it's quite late here. So, sure.
1: Um,
6: it's regarding the Sabbath day, basically. I just wanted to know again. I am quite new to the faith. I'm only 18, in, 18 months into being a Christian, so I certainly don't claim to know everything. I'm still learning. It's progression every day. Um, So on a Sabbath day, um, I just wondered, you know, um, I hope this isn't a silly
1: question. No, don't worry about it.
6: Um, You know, I I know that's a day when, you know, your, your thoughts are to be of God. Like it says, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. Like you said before, Doug, it's the only one that does begin with remember but in terms of like cooking and stuff like that are we allowed to cook on the sabbath day i mean because i feel i do feel guilty for going in the kitchen sometimes and spending half an hour 45 minutes in there um if someone calls me a friend and we end up going off subject i mean i try to keep it about god but they might tell me about you know their day yesterday and i I just feel guilty constantly if i not, took you know, keeping about God.
1: All right, you got two questions there. Good, good questions. All right, let's take it one at a time. First of all, when it comes to cooking, there's actually scriptures that say that as far as possible, we ought to bake what we're going to bake. And maybe Pastor Ross will find that bake what you're going to bake. And I think it uses the word seethe or boil what you're going to boil. In other words, do as much cooking as you can. The principle is that you want to be able to enjoy the day and rest uh, you know, Karen and I might heat something up or you, you might microwave something. There's nothing wrong with that. Or if you've got a salad, it may be a lot fresher if you, you know, uh, put certain things in it on the Sabbath day. Um, you have that verse? Here? Yeah, the verse
2: you're referring to, uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. And this is the background of the story that we're getting, ma- manna that God is giving them. And God said on, on Friday, on the sixth day, gather what you need for, for the, both the the friday and the sabbath and then prepare it on friday so that there's less cooking taking place on the sabbath but as pastor doug mentioned, just to add to that it's by no means a sin to to go into the kitchen and um you know rinse off your salad and put in your bowl and get ready to eat i think the the bible's speaking about major cooking you don't want to bake your pies on sabbath get that done on
1: on friday yeah and then uh, you asked another question about you know you have friends that aren't believers and they call and they want to discuss just the worldly chit chat and it can sometimes be a challenge. Um, you know, I, I think it takes uh, it takes a while to kind of let your friends know that this is your Sabbath day. And, you know, you can share with them your faith. It's certainly a great day to give Bible studies. It's always a challenge if you're going to visit family and, and uh, they're not believers and, uh, you know, they want to talk about the latest football game or whatever is going on, which might be going yeah. on right now. <laughs> uh, so, uh uh, you know, and it, you just need to be sensitive to love people, and at the same time, try and steer your thoughts towards spiritual things. Now, we do have a book, a free book. I don't know if we can send it to England. You might be able to read it for free online. Yeah and uh, it's dealing with some tips on how to keep the Sabbath day holy. Yes, and if you'd like to read that, just take a look at the Amazing Facts website,
2: just amazingfacts.org. You also asked some questions about the Sabbath, and uh, we just want to let folks know about a website that Amazing Facts has. It's called Sabbath Truth, just Sabbath Truth, filled with all kinds of scripture and some great lessons, and I think it'll be a blessing to anyone who looks that up. Well, thanks for your call, Rob. We're glad you're able to get through. We've got uh, Rachel listening in Florida. Rachel, welcome to the program.
5: Hi, how are you?
2: Good. How are you doing?
5: I'm good. So my question is this. Since we can't eat any unclean meat or touch it when it's dead, can we use leather or silk or or hair bristles and things like that?
1: Okay. Um, In a a word, yes. And the reason I know that is because in the Bible, the Bible tells us that uh, these Bible heroes, they would not eat unclean animals, but they might wear them. (laughs) John the Baptist it says he wore camel hair and uh, in, the uh, camel's not clean to eat uh, in the Bible. Of course, they they made a lot of things out of leather. And I think some translations say that the covering of the sanctuary was badger skin or seal skin. The Hebrew word is not clear, both of which would be, you know, an unclean animal for food. So there's not a prohibition in the Bible to using uh, some part of uh, an animal as a tool or for clothing. It was really you shouldn't be ingesting an unclean animal because your body's is a temple of the Holy Spirit and, and of course there's all kinds of um, health problems with the animals that God declares unclean.
2: All right. Thanks for your call, Rachel. We've got uh, Michael in Florida. Michael, welcome to the program.
7: Hello. How you doing, pastors? Can you guys hear me?
1: We do, loud and clear.
7: All right. Great. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been raised. Um, I've been raised in the church, and I don't know how much I can say. I've, you know, how much my faith is based upon true personal conviction, as opposed to me just uh, following what I was taught to believe in. And this sort of thing has, um, this sort of thought process really has caused me to become, I guess, more skeptical about my faith in, in terms of, like, you know, different things I've heard, because I'm pretty sure that, like, a, the question on skepticism or the discussion on skepticism can really proliferate into a myriad of topics, like, you know, uh, like, I, as far as I was raised in terms of biblical teaching, the, the earth is 6,000 years old, God created everything, and then, uh, but then there's, like, the skepticism raised by, say, for instance, like, uh, evolution or, or you know, scientific evidences that, that seem to run against um, biblical teaching. And, and I just want to know, is there like a, a biblical uh, course of action in terms of addressing skepticism? and, and...
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, um, it, I think that when you ask questions, you want your faith to be based upon a personal conviction and not solely upon what maybe your parents or the pastor said. Uh, You need to be able to um, evaluate your faith and be able to defend it. Peter, you know, said, be ready to give an answer. I grew up, you know, not believing in God. I was atheist or agnostic and believed in evolution and, uh, you know, just very pagan in my approach. And so when I was exposed to Christianity, I had a lot of, I was from New York anyway. And so I heard a lot of questions, a lot of skepticism. I had all the questions about evolution. I wanted to be satisfied that it wasn't just because the Bible said so, but I thought that the evidence of logic and science, and for me, it, you know, now it, it seems like in the last 20 years with the explosion of knowledge in the, um, you know, microbiology and DNA that uh, it is so precise that, you know, we would never believe if you saw a computer program that there wasn't a computer programmer. Um, everybody knows if you're running a computer program it took great genius to develop that program. Well, human life, uh, the, the eye, the brain, the world is so incredibly complex that it's, it's statistically very far-fetched to think these things came together without intelligence. And I know you might say, well, Ben, all right, so I believe that God made things, but maybe he used evolution to make them. Well, if God says he did it very quickly then whatever evidence you see in the world you know god can accelerate that and and i think that um, men are guessing what happened thousands or millions of years ago and all they can do is guess based on what they see now so it's nothing wrong with asking questions faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god spend more time talking to the lord trusting what his word says when you study prophecy and you see how dependable the bible is It increases your faith in the other things the Bible says.
2: Well, you know, one other thing, Pastor Dick, for for all of the um, scientists that might be um, spouting off uh, evolution as being a trustworthy theory, there are just as intelligent scientists who are exposed to the very same material who are staunch creationists, who are believing based on what they see in nature, based upon their studies, that there is a God that created these things. So typically in the media, we hear one side of the story, but there are God-fearing, believing scientists who have all the same education, the same skills, who see things differently.
1: Yeah, they don't get very much airtime. They're kind of, uh, they've been kind of uh, excluded from the airwaves. But yeah, that's true. There are a lot of very brilliant scientists and uh, engineers and biologists and and. Uh, they believe in the biblical creation is actually scientific.
2: You know, there's a book we have, we haven't given it out very often, but it's a great little book. It's called How Evolution Flunked the Science Test. And we'll make that available to anyone who would like to receive it. You can just call and ask. The number is 800-835-6747. And again, you can ask for the book How Evolution Flunked the Science Test. And it gets into some of the details here of of where uh, what we see in nature and what science is revealing actually supports the teachings found in the Bible, and I think you'll be encouraged by looking at that. All right, well thank you for your call, Michael.
0: You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at one 800
1: god says Hi, friends. You know, when the Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt, He took them down to Mount Sinai, and up there God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. But that's not all. There on the mountain, God gave Moses some amazing blueprints to a special sanctuary that you can find talked about all the way from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. And in this unique structure, it talks about the plan of salvation. It's called the sanctuary, the house of God, the temple, or the tabernacle. In this profound arrangement, Through the different departments in the rooms, God teaches how people are saved. It's one of the most extraordinary studies in the Bible, and we now have a brand new course here at Amazing Facts. It's called The Amazing Sanctuary Program. It is the newest of our AFCO series, and we'd like to tell you what you have in store when you sign up. When you sign up for this extraordinary program, you'll be able to study the material on your computer, your tablet, your phone, anywhere, anytime. In the course, you're going to have weekly downloads, witnessing resources, interactive lessons, video presentations by various teachers. And you can interact with students from all over the world and connect with Amazing Facts instructors in weekly live class sessions. You can follow the 13-week structure or go at your own pace. And when you finish, you will receive a certificate of completion. And when you enroll in the program, you're gonna be led through the material by two of my friends, great evangelists and instructors, Daniel Hudgens and Carlos Munoz. Visit sanctuary.afco.org. I grew up mostly in New York City. I was sent to many different boarding schools. Most of these schools told me that there was no purpose in life. And I saw in my home, people were not very happy. And I would think about suicide. Sharing a personal testimony can be one of the most powerful ways to win souls to Christ. That's why I'd like to invite you to discover and share a new presentation of my Richest Caveman testimony. It's now available on a special DVD from Amazing Facts. We've even included the award-winning Kingdoms in Time documentary that recently aired on the History Channel. To get your copy of The Richest Caveman, visit afbookstore.com or call 800 Five three eight seven two seven five.
0: For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com.
2: We've got uh, Lisa listening in New Jersey. Lisa, welcome to the program.
5: How you doing? How you feeling?
1: Doing good. Thanks for calling.
5: Uh, My question is, when the Bible does it say when Jesus died?
1: Uh,
2: Luke twenty-three verse forty-six. I can read it to you here. It says. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he
1: breathed his last. So there is a passage in the Bible. Is that what you're asking?
5: No, I was asking when did he die?
1: Oh, when, the you time. Mean, like what time of day or what time of year?
5: Like both, the day and the year.
1: Yeah, uh, near as we can tell, Jesus died 31 A.D. and it tells us it was during the Passover, which would be in the spring. So, Christ was crucified, you know, depending on what the moon was doing, because the Jews were on a lunar calendar. So, based on our calendar, it would have been sometime between uh, the end of March, beginning of April, that he died uh, during the Passover. And the Bible
2: tells us he died on the preparation day. We know the preparation day Friday. would be a Friday, and he rose the first day of the week. We know that would have been Sunday morning early. So, um, and he yeah. died on
1: the cross at three in the afternoon. That was right. what hour it was. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: quite a bit of information is given there. Yeah. All right, well, hopefully that helps uh Lisa to give you some more information on that. Um we've got Preston in Texas. Uh, Preston, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, thanks for calling.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um my question is is it a sin to buy food on the Sabbath?
1: Oh, you mean like going out to a restaurant? Yeah. Well, uh, I tell you, I believe, first of all, the Bible does tell us in Nehemiah, and uh, Pastor Ross might have to tell me the verse again, when uh, the pagans were coming to Jerusalem to uh, buy and sell their products, fish and other things, he sent them away. He said, it's a Sabbath day. Don't come by the gates. He warned them two or three times. Finally, he said, look, if you come back, I'll arrest you. He, they weren't to be doing their buying and their selling. I don't know if you have that, Pastor Ross.
2: Yeah, Jeremiah 17 talks about uh, not buying on the selling or buying on selling on the Sabbath,
1: uh, but hell of the Sabbath day, Jeremiah 17:22. And then there's also one in Nehemiah where, yeah, that he, he says that as well. Um, but now you're asking like, you know, what about going out to dinner? And the the approach that I take, and I think Pastor Ross feels the same way, is if uh, if we think it's a good idea for us to prepare and to be able to rest on the Sabbath day, then why do we want to hire someone else to do our cooking for us? And uh, basically you're engaging them directly to work for you on the Sabbath day. And so I think, you know, um, we should prepare in advance. That's why Friday, the sixth day of the week is called the preparation days. You get your food prepared, you make your plans. And the other thing is when you go to usually the typical public eating place, it's uh, not always a very uh, spiritual environment as well.
2: Now, uh, the ideal is to prepare, and that's why the Bible talks about, uh, you know, Friday being the preparation day. You, you get ready for the Sabbath. Um, but there are situations where somebody might be sick and they need mm-hmm. to buy some medicine. Uh, that's permissible on the Sabbath. If, if you can relieve suffering, uh, somebody might have, a need for, you know, a diabetic or something and they might need some food almost like medicine at some point and you don't have anything, you
1: know, those type of exceptions. But I I think we want to prepare beforehand. Yeah, if you can plan. Sometimes there will be extenuating circumstances. I remember once our family was traveling overseas and it was like a two-day flight home and halfway home uh, we got delayed and it turned out that you know we ended up in a strange city on the Sabbath day with no food. There's nothing we could have done about it. It was a weather-related thing and we, we had to go buy some food or <laughs> get young children. So you know, you'll sometimes run into a, a rare situation like that and, and God is reasonable. But otherwise, I think we had a plan. Okay. Well, thank you for your call, Preston. We've got uh, another caller
2: from uh, Sacramento. We've got, um, uh, let's see, Manashi Uh, From Sacramento, welcome to the program. Thank you. And your question?
5: Yes, my question is about Romans 14 and what Paul writes there, specifically uh, verse 5 and 14. They seem to be saying that um, we can worship on any day and eat anything. Um, So I I know that God is, is very particular about what we eat and the day that we worship on. So can you please explain what he was saying in Romans 14?
1: Yes. We'll do our best. Uh, Let me read this for everyone in Romans chapter 14 verse 5. Now first let me give you the background. The Jewish Christians, the Jews that accepted Jesus, were telling the new Gentile converts in Rome that you cannot eat the things that are sold in the Roman marketplace because the Romans whenever they ate an animal, whenever they butchered a sheep or a goat or chicken, they offered it to a pagan god. And so the uh, Jewish Christians were saying, you can't eat that. It's been offered to idols. And so you should only eat vegetables because any meat that you're going to eat in Rome has been offered to a pagan deity. And I think there's a verse in Corinthians where Paul says, eat what's sold in the shambles for asking no questions for conscience sake. And then also the Jewish Christians were telling the Gentile Christians, you need to keep all the annual Sabbath days. You need to keep the Passover, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Tabernacles. And Paul is saying, uh, no, those are all nailed to the cross. One man, this is Romans 14, 5, one person esteems one day above another. Another one esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, Right away, we know Paul is not saying, some of you may want to go to church on the Sabbath. Some may not, just whatever you feel like. I've never heard a pastor in a Sunday church tell his people that. (laughs) They say, this is a day you're supposed to be here. So no one ever uses it that way until they hear the Sabbath truth. And then he goes on and he said, um, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord for he gives God thanks and he who does not eat to the Lord he does not eat and he gives God thanks. So. He's talking about two specific problems that were being brought in and had nothing to do with, well, if you feel like keeping one of the Ten Commandments, that's good. If you don't, whatever you feel like. And if you feel like uh, being careful what you eat, fine. If not, just say a prayer and eat anything. This is not what Paul is saying here.
2: Yeah, and if you'd like to get some uh, extra uh, verses on what Paul feels about the Ten Commandments, you just need to read a little further in Romans where Paul says the, the law is holy, just and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, he tells us to keep the commandments, to so obey God. So he's not talking about the seventh day Sabbath you know, by any means.
1: So hopefully that helps a little bit. Hey, thank you very much for your question and for joining us, friends, for Bible Answers Live. And uh, we hope that you can tune in next week. Don't forget that this is a completely faith-based program. If you're hearing us on a station now, it's because people just like you are doing something to keep us on the air. And by God's grace, we've been doing this now for about 25 years, all by faith. Just go to amazingfacts.org, amazingfacts.org, and you can click donate, and we will appreciate it. God will bless you. Take care. We look forward to studying His Word together again next week.
0: This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live, honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions.
1: I grew up mostly in New York City. I was sent to many different boarding schools. Most of these schools told me that there was no purpose in life. And I saw in my home, people were not very happy and I would think about suicide. Sharing a personal testimony can be one of the most powerful ways to win souls to Christ. That's why I'd like to invite you to discover and share a new presentation of my Richest Caveman testimony. It's now available on a special DVD from Amazing Facts. We've even included the award-winning Kingdoms in Time documentary that recently aired on the History Channel. To get your copy of The Richest Caveman, visit afbookstore.com or call 800 538-7275. For life-changing Christian resources,
0: visit afbookstore.com. Can't get enough Amazing Facts Bible Study? You don't have to wait until next week to enjoy more truth-filled programming. Visit the Amazing Facts Media Library at aftv.org. At AFTV.org, you can enjoy video and audio presentations as well as printed material all free of charge. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right from your computer or mobile device. Visit AFTV.org. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California.